Should I put these in a different order? The cool thing about podcasts is that you want them as much as possible to be like a conversation. So you don't have to necessarily say the question just like that. If you feel, oh, this is a good time, we're talking about this, to follow up with that question, that's perfect. With podcasting, you're going to come up with the best questions if you're listening to what the other person has to say. And by listen, I don't mean just hearing them. I mean not thinking about anything else while they're talking. That's what I mean by listening. Welcome to the We Love Philly podcast. We are We Love Philly. Our mission is to promote volunteerism throughout the streets of Philadelphia and bring back the brotherly love to the city of brotherly love. Each week, we bring an individual or organization that's making Philly a better place. We hope you enjoy and let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone, to the We Love Philly podcast. I hope everyone is staying warm this winter. This is our first episode back in the new year. So happy new year, everyone. We hope everyone is having a safe new year. Hope everyone is wearing a mask. Your family is safe. And uh, yeah, you're just being responsible out there and being a good role model for those who might be watching you. On this episode of the podcast, we have Margot Murphy. She is the executive director of the Sunday Love Project. You can catch them online at www.sundaylove.org. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about how food insecurity is impacting Philadelphia. We talk about the Sunday Love Project and getting everyone familiar about it. The Sunday Love Project. And we also talk about the importance of education if if you're wondering by the way that is tyree and janelle this is their first podcast ever hey guys (laughs) and we hope you enjoy this episode with the sunday love project Welcome, everybody, to the We Love Philly podcast. I'm really excited to introduce two brand new students to We Love Philly. We have Janelle Peralta. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. And we have Tyree Attaway. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And on this episode of the podcast, we are joined today by the wonderful executive director of the Sunday Love Project, Margot Murphy. How are you feeling today, Margot? Great. I'm so well. Thank you so much for asking. So we just recently volunteered for you about 24 hours ago, Mm -hmm. and it was at 1904 Walnut Street. It was right next to Rittenhouse Square, which was awesome to go there and be like, oh, look, nature. This is what outside used to look like. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to see people enjoying it during the crazy times we're living in. But when we got there, we knocked on the door and we were greeted with the nicest people ever who didn't know who we were. And they were like, oh are you here do you need help that's the first thing they ask do you need help not what are you doing here but do you need help and that touched my heart we're at a place where people genuinely care for other people what i'm I'm leading to is why is it the sunday love project is it church related because we're in a church no so i am not in any way religious Um, (laughs) we uh, we were offered this space at the church of the holy trinity and we're very grateful to have it but there is a separation for me between religion of the project. So it's called the Sunday Love Project because initially when I started it in Christmas of 2014, it was something that happened every Sunday on the parkway. And then it like became, you know, an everyday thing. Have you always wanted to start an organization? I never wanted to start an organization. (laughs) I 
I wanted to feed some people, mm -hmm. and this just kind of grew organically without me trying. I never set out to have a nonprofit. What is the Sunday Love Project? What's the goal? We serve food insecure and homeless individuals throughout the city. We help kids that are struggling. Maybe their parents aren't working right now. Pretty much anyone who has any kind of food insecurity issue is our target audience. So we serve about, I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic and last year, we served about 5,000 meals a week. We have now scaled back because to probably like 2,000 a week because so many places had closed down during the pandemic and we were kind of one of the very few that stayed open the entire time. So, you know, it's a seven-day week. We didn't have a day off. Or wow. I think we went like 150 days without, without a day off. Thank you for your service. 150 <laughs> days? Yeah, it was a lot. Wow. So let me rewind a little bit because you said you didn't have to try to be a nonprofit that survived a pandemic that knocked out a lot of nonprofits. So do you think it was meant to be like you're supposed to be doing this because you didn't have to try? Or was it just coincidence after coincidence after coincidence and then you're like, okay, I'm in it. I think that the minute I realized that all you have to do is give people an opportunity to help, they jump at that opportunity. So I think a lot of people just don't know where to start in terms of you know volunteering or getting involved. And then we're not as stringent as a lot of other organizations where we don't require a million things before you come in. It just feels like a family. So, I mean, we just want everybody to come in and feel comfortable. You know, there is no paperwork to fill out. There are no guidelines. As long as you're able to be kind to people, you're more than welcome. Has any lives or anything been changed? Or has anybody ever come to you and... Tons. Tons. Yeah. I mean, it depends how you look at it. So, in terms of, like, when I was serving on like around Love Park for a few years on Sundays, we had guests that were homeless and on the street and then after a year would come back and had housing and had a job and were then serving with us. So they oh, were on wow. the other side of the line, which was That's really amazing. cool. So we had quite a few of them. And then I also do a ton of work in Kensington. So I've had a lot of people who are homeless and addicted on the street that are no longer and they have come around and sometimes when you're feeding people you don't know if it's making an impact because like I don't really care if it does because it's the thing to do that's right in the moment and where it goes after that is irrelevant. This one story really touched me. This, this girl came in, I used to have something called Greater Goods. It was a free grocery store for anyone in need. And this girl used to come in to set up for a 12-step program after that at the church. So we would always chat, and I didn't think anything of it. And then the first day I ever went out to serve, I bought 12 meals from Boston Market and gave them out. It was just 12 meals. Mm -hmm. So three years later, this girl comes in and tells me that she was one of those 12 people and that she had two years clean. So that was pretty major. And she said, I remember you because I didn't even know it was Christmas. You showed me kindness. And it always stuck with her. So there have been a number of people that have gotten off the street. And we have a job reentry program. We were able to train people in the kitchen and get them surf safe certified, which is usually a two, three hundred dollar test, and then send them out to the workforce. Do you plan on having different locations for it or just staying at one I would definitely spot? like to have my own spot. Yeah. Yeah, and something larger. So that was sort of the thing is that when we were serving inside at the Church of the Holy Trinity, we only had 54 people that we would serve inside because it was very nice. Linens on the tables, roses, it was full service. It was like being in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So since the pandemic happened, we can't serve inside anymore. So we're now serving at least 120 to 140 people at each service. So it tells you that we can affect a lot more people with not having them inside, but it's kind of a bummer not to have them inside. Why did you choose to get in the particular field that you are currently in now? 
Honestly, I have this entire nonprofit because of Facebook. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is exactly. I mean, because I went out and served those 12 people on Christmas, and then I jumped on Facebook after that and just said, if anybody wants to help me out for next Sunday with a little bit of money or a little bit of food. And the first time I ever went out, it was 40 meals. And then the next week, it was 100. What year was it when you started? Uh, 2014. Christmas 2014. What was the catalyst? Is it personal in your family? No, I, I was going to volunteer at another organization, and I overslept. <laughs> and so I, was, I woke up feeling just terrible about myself so I was like oh my god what can I do and then I was like let me at least just go to Boston Market and get these dozen meals and I'll just give them out to people that are you know stuck outside and then I mentioned it on Facebook and people are like that's so cool how can I get involved and it blew up people volunteer at Thanksgiving and Christmas mm -hmm. food and security is an everyday issue it doesn't just happen on Thanksgiving and Christmas so yeah. I feel like we're finally making an impact with people understanding that because it used to be every year when January rolled around, we would have no volunteers. Mm. Like Thanksgiving and Christmas, we were like bombarded, you know, and helping at the holidays is nice and everything, but you're supposed to do it all the time. Yeah. Why do you think it's such a problem in Philly, food insecurity? We're a very poor city. I don't think there's a food shortage. There's a food access problem. There's a ton of food wasted here. So we're trying to work with sharing access that goes to giant food stores and picks up their extras and bring some right to us so they probably give us a thousand pounds of food a week and 80 percent of it is usable so i mean it's like sometimes the grocery stores just use that as a dump for getting rid of it we're trying to also change that if you're going to donate something if you wouldn't need it don't expect somebody else to yeah. you know so that's our policy is i would not put that in my mouth so we don't run it like a soup kitchen like our food is really decent yes oh my god the whole time janelle and i were volunteering we were like it smells, smells so, so good. good. I, walked in, I walked in. I was like, it smells so good in here. I seen them preparing the food and yeah, everything. It looks so chef good. Is amazing. Yeah. Jeez. What was on the menu last night? It's like a five spice chicken over ramen. Yeah. And you know, salad and fruit. And all that so that's legit. If you're not going to eat it, don't donate it. Yeah, this is not the slop that's going into mm -hmm. a container that's coming out of a can, which I think is generally happening. Yeah. There are some places that do a really good job, but we're not trying to do things in the cheapest way possible. Because we want to show people some dignity. We want them yeah, to we care. You know, like, yeah. When we were there, we were folding clothes. There were so many donations, and the clothes were so nice. Janelle told me to put a hat back. I gave it to look like I want this hat. And she was like, put the hat down. It's not for you. Uh, <laughs> everything that you were getting. Nice yes, everything was top quality. And then we served people outside. Now, is it different during the pandemic? Or are you always in front of the church with oh, the no, long line out the door? Before the pandemic, we had a full dining room. Serve people. It was like a restaurant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you feel like it impacted um, coronavirus and everything impacted oh, I mean, us? Yeah. The upside is we're able to, to serve a lot more people. The downside is that people really looked forward to coming to our spot, and we have a homeless couple that's where they came for their date night. Oh. Like it was that oh. night where, like, you know, there's just like flowers on the table that are fresh, and it was a three course meal. Mm -hmm. They didn't get out of their seats for anything. It wasn't lining up and going up to a counter and getting your food. We had like full wait stuff. You know? yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. that it's not available now but we are able to reach a lot more people now by doing it outside and honestly there's a lot of people who don't want to come inside to eat and yeah. you know the same population like the mentally ill people that really don't want to go inside shelters and stuff mm -hmm. like that and they really roll the dice with freezing to death so this way everybody's covered mm. I also heard that um, you guys have a thing where the lady was talking to me about it she said that you offered the homeless to be able to sleep there 
How did that get started? Yeah, that's the Bethesda project that runs it. So that's not oh, actually okay. us. So oh. what happened was Broad Street Ministry, their building is enormous. So they had, I don't know the number, we'll say hundreds of people sleeping there throughout the winter. And they are not doing that this year because of Corona. They were the largest place for a shelter. So what Bethesda did is go to every church and sort of like parcel out, can you take 20, can you take 30, however many was safe to put in that space mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. So once they're in, they're in for the entire season. As long as they follow the rules, which is basic stuff like not bringing drugs and alcohol in and stuff like that, they can be there every night from 7 p.m. until 6 a.m. Okay. How long have you been with Sunday Love Project? Six years. How many individuals do you feel like? I don't know. I mean, you have to define impact. I feel impacted when I'm hungry and I eat something Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I can't do my next move unless I eat first. I mean, I think that the people we serve have been impacted for sure, but also like it's equally as important to me that we impact the volunteers. Yes. So that then they can turn around and give back in whatever way. Yes. Thank you for the hat. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I just show people it's not that difficult to spend two hours of whatever time you're willing to give once a month, twice a month, whatever. I mean, our volunteers at Sunday Love are pretty devoted, so we see a lot of the same. Yeah, it's another thing when I walked in and we smelled what we smelled and we saw everyone getting together, and I was like, oh, is this like an Olive Garden commercial? Is everyone here a family? The volunteers came in, everyone knew everyone on a first-name basis, everyone immediately started talking about their day, and it's really cool to see that community, and then I'm sure that that leaks over into the population you're serving. Yeah, I mean, it's cool when somebody comes and then the next week they show up with a friend and I'm like, oh, I was telling them about this. and Because we think it's fun. I don't do it for the warm fuzzies, but there is that feeling for people that come in for the first time or whatever, you know? I mean, of just like, it feels good to give back. Do you have like a partner or somebody that's always there with you to help you out? We have a staff of four people. So the chef, myself, and then we have two employees. The chef is the chef. Like Mm -hmm. that is her thing. So none of us really have to like do a lot of cooking or like really any. We're mostly just prepping stuff. If something needs to get done, it gets done. It doesn't matter whose like job it is really. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just all work together to get stuff done. Okay. Are you originally from Philadelphia? I am originally from Voorhees, New Jersey. All right, cool. So not far. No, not, not at far. All. I went to college in Colorado and then I came back here. Got it. I just want your perspective because we have volunteered in the past with a lot of organizations and it seems like a lot of organizations are reactionary to a problem. What do you think when it comes to food insecurity? Is there something that's preventative? to solve the problem instead of responding to the problem. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I just did this interview with Drexel, and their question to me was, how are you going to work yourself out of a job? And I said, there's no way that's going to happen in my lifetime. And Mm -hmm. honestly, that's a really big question, because I'm not responsible for food insecurity throughout the city. Yeah. I mean, there are a bunch of small organizations all doing their part. Yeah that's the best we can do right now because you can't fix things from the bottom. This needs to come from the top. So we're down here scrambling and we need to figure out what's going on that's sending all these people. They're just floating down the river and we're just trying to figure out how did you get here? Like what's happening up there? But no one. So it's policymakers and stuff like that. If you are the policymaker, where do you think it all stems from? You have all the money, you have all the funding, you have all the access, all the connections. What would be the one major thing? If we start to tackle this, we can make a dent in all those people coming down the river. 
Education. Yes. 100%. Hear that? <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, poverty is a cycle and it's directly related to education. So, mm. I mean, yeah, you got to work on that. Yes. You know, Philadelphia is not, not always doing best job there so. no not at all it's, we live in, i don't know if you're aware but we live in like one of the worst public education systems mm-hmm. in the country mm-hmm. do you both know who malcolm x is yeah yes i know you, who malcolm x is. you know who malcolm x is? Yeah. do you know what his famous quote about education is it's right. it's very related to what margo was saying so he was saying poverty is like a cycle so when you have a poor education system then you have a family who gets a poor education mm-hmm. and then that family when they have a poor education they can only get a poor job mm-hmm. and when they Correct. can only get a poor job then they can only live in a poor neighborhood mm-hmm. and then when they live in that poor neighborhood with their poor education that poor job then when they have children it goes and then that cycle repeats yeah. because they don't know anything else. He said it way more eloquently than me, but that's the gist of it. The freedom for you to be able to get out of that situation or with what like We Love Philly is trying to do is use this situation to empower you and then maybe stick around to try to help with the situation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you for saying education. I didn't pay her to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree as well. Yeah. <laughs> this is a selfish question I'm curious about and I know some other nonprofits listen to the podcast how do you build that community amongst your volunteers that we saw on display last night how do you build that I just think that we attract the nicest people because we're doing good stuff so only people that have kindness in their heart want to come in and do good stuff yeah so just so I say like just super blessed and fortunate to be doing something that people are looking to be inspired and they want to be a part of it so it's not like I have to rope them in I'm not begging for volunteers it's just people enjoy it and they feel good when they leave yeah Yeah, I agree as soon as I walked in I already felt welcomed yeah (laughs) very nice people So towards the end of the podcast, we have a segment. It's called The Trinity of Truth. If you could go back in time and tell the teenage version of yourself three things, what would you tell you and why? Pay attention to your surroundings. I think that's really huge because I think you can go through life with blinders on and miss a whole lot and realize that there are so many different like socioeconomic situations like in one small area so just like noticing that somebody with money is not any different than somebody without money except mm-hmm. they just have some paper in their pocket it doesn't mean they have more depth mm-hmm. what else work a lot of jobs and figure out what you want to do before you settle on one thing that might make you miserable for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and three just show as much love and kindness as you possibly can because you don't know how long anyone's going to be around or how you can impact them while they're here and it's just important to be the best version of yourself always thank you for that how can people find the sunday love project how do they sign up to volunteer do you have a website and instagram like for donations or just like getting involved like- yeah um, the website is sundaylove.org we are in the process of updating the general information is on there there is a sign up on there for sunday and tuesday night very few people actually adhere to it so Back in the olden days, it was, you know, it could only be five people because it was inside and it would just get really crowded. Now we probably have 20 people that are volunteering at a time and 
it's fine. I just expect with the pandemic that everybody's being responsible. So mm -hmm. you have to wear a mask. You have to have gloves when you're preparing food. You know, I mean, it's just that kind of stuff. The Instagram is at Sunday Love Project. And yeah, if you go on the website, there's a donate button. We have an Amazon wish list because we provide grocery boxes for students in need. And then there's just like various other pieces of information and some, you know, press information and stuff like that. So you can kind of get a background on us. Beautiful. I want to take this moment to send some love your way. I appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you. It's absolutely amazing. I when second I, it. Yeah. <laughs> when I met you yesterday and you're wearing the love hat right now and I saw the love hat, I was like, oh, yeah, love. And I was like, that's Margo. It has to be Margo. She's wearing the love hat. Thank you so much for providing such a cool atmosphere for myself and this and, and Janelli and EJ was there uh -huh. yesterday and Victoria and Ariana and they loved it. Right when they left, it was like one of our first volunteer events altogether since the pandemic. So yeah. I we appreciate you so much for just setting that up and letting us in your family for, for a day. Definitely. You guys are always welcome to come back. And honestly, like, I put all my money on the kids. So, <laughs> you know, that's, you guys are the next, you know, next generation. So you got to, like, yeah. you know, check everything out and see where you can be helpful in your community. Awesome. One last question. We ask everyone before they go. Mm -hmm. What's your definition of love? My definition of love? Oh my gosh, how do you uh, put that into words? What is my definition of love? Compassion, human kindness, and just the ability to accept people um, as who they are, where they are in that moment. Thank you for your time. Thank, thank you, you, thank you. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Nice. Yay.